Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. All right, gentlemen. Uh, nice day here, the winter home from The Ride with Royce. Uh, finally, it's been in the 60s, windy. Today's 75 and sunny. So uh, traffic moving along nicely here on Six Mile Cypress, if anybody was worried about No that. weather-related delays at all. No weather-related delays That's today. That's good. Old idiot people, even older than me, drivers. There's some of those delays, but uh, there's not, uh, not, not, uh, not any other. And delays. even some old idiot drivers that are younger than you, correct? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> As we discovered, yes. it keeps getting more difficult to scream at them when you look over and say, "Ah, he's about eight years younger than I am." <laughs> Uh, but that's what you're young hey, at heart, baby. I am young at heart, and I'm young as a driver too. Uh, you got to be aggressive. You yes. Gotta, once you lose your aggression as a driver, that's when you're really getting old. Hey, we've talked about this before on the show, uh, Reavers, Manny, and I, about how of the secondary uh, cable news, uh, cable sports networks, right? Mm-hmm. ESPN's the giant, Ben the giant, still the giant. The one that gained, uh credibility was TNT and the NBA, the one who gained this fantastic relationship. And we knew they were the first one that taught us to go look at TNT to see if there was a game on, even before we looked at ESPN, right? We always, the rest of the time, we always look at ESPN to see if there's a game on. And then if it's not, we go looking for it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we looked at TNT. And last night, we found out once again, there's only one reason for this. It is the post-game show, uh, the the pregame, between games, at halftime show. Inside the NBA. Inside the NBA. Ernie, Barkley, Kenny Smith, and now they've added Shaq. And that was... It wasn't smooth at the beginning with Shaq and trying to get that fourth voice in there, but uh, it has become uh, fabulous because Shaq has always had a tremendous sense of humor, and Barkley's got the greatest. So last night we had the Clippers and the Rockets going at it in Staples Arena. They had all kinds of dust-ups and people getting ejected, and Blake Griffin... Bitter about Paul, Chris Paul leaving. Chris Paul, uh, uh, Griffin pushes D'Antonia, the coach. Uh, 
they all want to kill Austin Rivers on the bench because he's shooting. <laughs> he's in street clothes and he's shooting his mouth off. <laughs> anyway, after all these dust ups, what happens is that uh, Chris Paul, who must have been the gang, uh, the the group leader of this thing, sends Chris Capella, the great big Clint Capella. Uh, Clint Capella, the great big 6'10 guy, down to the front door of the home, uh, of the visiting, yeah, the home locker room. The Clippers, the Clippers locker room, yes. Yeah, the Clippers locker room to pound on the door like he <laughs> wants to break in. Meanwhile, there's a vigilante group coming in the back. Chris Paul uh, is with it. Yeah, James Harden is with him. Gerald Green uh, and Trevor yeah, Ariza. Trevor Ariza. They're going down to come in the back door and apparently t- attack Griffin or something. And Chris Paul knows the Staples Center like the back of his hand because sure. he played there for he six years. With, yes. you got to take like eight turns and then you come in there. But uh, they call the police. Uh, apparently the, the reporter on the scene for TNT, the sideline reporter, reports that there is going to, there is now a police presence at uh, Staples uh, Center to kind of take care of this. And here's what happened when Shaq and Barkley started, uh, let's say, commenting on the fact the police might be called to uh, take care of this thing. They're not laughing at you. Uh, no, they're laughing I, at the incident. They, the whole incident. they don't believe that you guys... I played in the NBA for 16 years, and I've been on, the, on TV for 18 years. It's the first time I ever heard police presence. <laughs> they got, wait, <laughs> wait, they got a police presence? Are you kidding me? Uh, wait, come on, man. Numerous social media reports that, that LAPD was called. LAPD was called. <laughs> These two, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Because they, they, they would. Come on, man. Come on, man. The issue, man. The issue is they would. man. They would relish. Come on, for a guy to come in the locker room after this. Chuck. Hey, Chuck. I don't know. Police. I don't know why. Hello, police. Chris Paul trying to beat me up. This is hey. This is Blake Griffin. Chris Paul trying to get in the locker room. Get down here and save me. Wait. Hey. Hey, this is Jordan. Mike trying to get in the locker room. I, I certainly doubt that it was Clippers players who were requesting any kind of Somebody had to call the police. Uh, two guys who would relish guys coming in their locker room. Come on, man. Uh, uh, laughing at the fact Jack, that Chris Paul police is president. coming to get, <laughs> police to get Blake anyway. Griffin. Oh, By the way, uh, Trevor Ariza's birthday. I'm sorry, America. Uh, June 30th, uh, in case, in case oh. Blake Griffin actually is going to uh, go to Nine one one. Nine one one. Going out the back. Anyway. Yeah. Oh come on. I'm in the Staples Center. <laughs> in the back going. hallway. <laughs> Three players that play for the Rockets. Can you tell her how they he looks? He's about five eleven, five foot ten. Well, they have on shorts and a couple of them have towels. On. What's his name? Right. So Chris Paul. <laughs> Gerald right. Green. Is this I'm, a play call? And James Harden. Play calling us. 6'10", 225, one of the most powerful players in the NBA. But Chris Paul trying to get in and kick my ass. Get down here quick. As we, as we had to break, Jeremy. Let's take a look at 10-4. Let's take a look at the shoes. Oh, my God. 
That's unbelievable. You know, Pat, the only thing I would want to see <laughs> is the reaction and watching Blake Griffin watching that video oh, clip yeah. of those guys yeah. ripping him. <laughs> that would be sp- – I would pay money uh, to see that reaction from yeah. Blake Griffin. And meanwhile, these guys were doing uh, little cutouts of – you know what? What of that? And they showed. They showed. They showed Tom Hanks uh, as Forrest Gump yes. running out, running, running out, that's, running down a, the that, street. That was that's Austin, Austin Rivers, Rivers running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was another funny clip. I want Reavers to play this too. Of uh, they were talking about uh, Charles asked Kenny what he would do if. One of those guys was walking to the locker room. Go ahead and play that. I'm going to ask you an honest question, Kenny. No, man. I might not be honest. I might be Chris Paul right okay. now. Okay. <laughs> How many of the guys on these two teams you think are actually really fight? I don't know how many guys would fight, but if those three guys walked in the locker room, I wouldn't be that fearful. I was just saying. I mean, those are guys that have good reputations in the league. They don't have the fighting reputation. Those are James Harden, Trevor Reza, and, and Gerald Green, Green are good guys, man. We, we you know that. There wouldn't be three guys who were on the list. They're not on the list. wouldn't be on your They're list. Good guys. Come on, man. I'm going to the other team locker room like you're going to fight. Stop right. it. If we hear any more about the. You're not going to hear any more. They were escorted out. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man, alive. It's, they it are is, the best. Uh, there's never been anything like this in uh, no, no other. As wacky as other uh, shows have tried to become, NFL shows and everything, there's nobody that has ever been able to duplicate Because you can't duplicate Charles. What's interesting, too, is you watch, you know, Ernie has been doing that forever. He's been doing that show, and Charles has been, Charles and Kenny have been doing it. You know, Shaq just came on a couple of years ago, but Charles and Kenny have been doing that for 15, 16, 17 years. So EJ is so used to that. He's so used to Charles being the way he is. What's funny is if you, you guys watch Charles when they move them over to the coverage for the NCAA tournament, and Charles yeah. and Kenny kind of do that stuff with like Greg Gumble or somebody. Yeah. It doesn't it, work. It, 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 yeah. You could tell like Greg is not as comfortable as you know as Ernie well, Johnson would be. Well, plus they don't want to make they won't let him make fun of college players either. So that's but it. Barkley right. will say things like you know Providence is playing whoever and he'll be like yeah, well, oh he, number he, five. He knows <laughs> he knows less about it than he. There's he's the most disinterested guy in the history of man when it comes to college basketball. Oh. By the way, Kyle Lowry and Ben Simmons uh, offered to meet each other out yes. the hallway last. A lot of that NBA uh, chippiness going on. I'm sure the commissioner is going to uh, rule with an iron fist here pretty soon. Anyway, uh, TNT. It's uh, they got they got the golden. Uh, uh, umbrella there with uh, our guy uh, with our guy Shaq joining uh, Charles Barkley now. It is pretty great. Alright, we'll be back. Brett Robson's uh, coverage of the Timberwolves can now be found at the theathletic.com uh, Brett, Carl Anthony Towns has been quite the monster for the last month after getting a lot of heat early for uh, paying no attention to defense and uh, other issues. Uh, what uh, what has happened here? Well, I think a couple of things had to have happened. Uh, one is that um, he began to get some heat, which I don't think he ever really experienced in his life. And uh, so I think maybe rededicated his focus a little bit, changed his attitude a little bit, uh, a little bit less of a go-along, get-along, teacher's pet kind of guy. 
And then the second thing is, I think just the repetition, uh, you know, he's been in the NBA, this is his third season, and uh, Tibbs has uh, been, you know, kind of banging on the rock of uh, trying to do things the right way for a long time. He's got uh, Taj Gibson next to him, and I think things finally began to click for him. And I think the combination of a little bit more focus and a little bit more experience, it's not... Uh, a sexy answer, but that generally is the right answer when you're talking about a guy with his kind of talent and his kind of experience. I think we all uh, uh, just, uh, you know, from a distance could say that Wiggins was trying to figure out how to play with Jimmy Butler or uh, play around him, however it was. But uh, Town, maybe maybe it took some time for Towns, too, to figure out what, what was uh, actually going on with uh, Jimmy Butler being such a big part of the offense. I think so, and also I think that he thought that effort was everything. He thought that if he uh, he once told me about a month and a half ago that uh, he would go after, he said, forget about 50-50 balls, I'll, I'll go after 20-80 balls. Well, if you think about that for a second, he's chasing after balls that he acknowledges he has a one in five chance of getting. Yes. And, and, and that's the kind of play that marked his first six weeks on the team. Uh, this season is he would be frequently out of position by uh, making bad decisions, trying to make a heroic play. And I think now he's a little bit more settled down. He's into the system. I do think that, you know, we will never know, but I think he did get some heat from his teammates in the locker room. There were a couple bad defensive games where you could tell that, you know, the veterans were giving them a little bit of the side eye. And uh, I think that has to have hurt a little bit. And I just think... Uh, the other thing about Towns is is that when one aspect of his game is going well, generally the other aspects pick up a little bit. And uh, I'll tell you, offensively, he's just been phenomenal. I mean, he's shooting uh, 49% from three-point territory the last 15 games, 54 55% overall, 84% of his free throws. Uh, you know, I mean, he's just... He's playing at an all-star level. He's, you know, it's a, it's a really competitive... Uh, uh, you know, competition to make the all-star team, especially in the Western Conference, but uh, I, I sincerely think he deserves it this year. Now, has he learned more about uh, taking those uh, brutes outside and taking advantage of the fact he can shoot? Has he, has he done that better? I think some of that has happened. I also do think that um, one of the things that has if, if you notice, I mean, and this is really a tribute to Taj Gibson, Taj oftentimes gets matched up with the real big guys, especially yeah. the ones that don't want to chase Towns outside. Sometimes there'll be a cross match, and Towns will be guarding the big at the other end of the floor. But a lot of times, on uh, when the Wolves are on offense, uh, that big dude is on Taj Gibson down low, and uh, a power forward chases Towns around. So it is. A, I think it helps him a little bit in the sense that he doesn't get pounded as much in terms of the, the physical, uh, you know, kind of similar to uh, Wiggins um, basically not having to guard the, the toughest uh, wing player now. He usually guards the second toughest wing player, and, and that's a huge difference in terms of energy expenditure. Uh, from a distance, it appears that Jimmy Butler could win a swearing contest against Kevin Garnett, which would uh, be a, be an accomplishment. Is Gibson a different kind of communicator? Is it a more yeah, reason? Is it a more reasoned approach? Yes, I mean he's he's a funny guy. I mean he's he's uh, first of all he's incredibly honest, which uh, 
is if if he said things that were more outlandish, you know, he would get a lot more uh, attention for that. But he's just basically a common sense kind of guy. He sits with his feet in buckets of water. Each foot, his knees are wrapped in ice, and uh, you know, he's usually checking his phone. And the media comes and says, "Hey, can we talk to you?" And he always says, "Yeah." And then he, you know, win or lose, good or bad, uh, you know, he'll matter of factly say, you know, I thought we got a big lead, you know, we let up a little bit, or this team isn't, you know, that doesn't know how to win yet, or, you know, just kind of basic stuff. But uh, he is definitely the beta presence to uh, Butler's alpha presence, but they really do support and complement each other in that locker room. Uh, Gibson's a good player, though. I mean, it would yeah. be, I think you're kind of everybody says, oh, kind of a leader and a tough guy, but he's a, he's a good player. He well, what the great thing about him is is that uh, when teams game plan, I mean, you've got Wiggins, who you know, regardless of what anybody thinks of him, is lightning quick, incredibly athletic, and needs at least to be paid attention to in the scouting report. Butler and Towns, who are, you know, are dominant. Jeff Teague, who, if you don't pay attention to him, he'll hit that little step back three on you, do that little kind of crab dribble in the lane. They're all people that need to be accounted for on offense. And so, especially early in the season, um, teams would, would essentially ignore Taj Gibson. And, you know, it seemed to be a regular occurrence for a while. He'd have eight, ten points in the first quarter, uh, just, you know, getting garbage, getting free and, uh, He's worked on his footwork, it seems. You know, he's in his ninth season, and it looked like he really dedicated himself in the off season. He's getting paid a lot more than he's ever been paid before, $14 million the next two seasons. And that was a little bit of grumbling from people because Gorgie Jang had just signed for four years at about that same money, actually a little more, 15, 16. So you're putting $30 million into the power forward position, and neither one is a star. But Gibson has been really, really good for team chemistry. He's been really good as that safety valve option on uh, offense. And defensively, he's just one of those guys that never is out of place. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Georgie's been uh, better. He's uh, you know yep. getting a little more time and making some shots, and he's kind of figuring out what they want out of him, I guess, uh, well, that, that, I'll, from I'll a distance. You, it, it's, it's crazy. There isn't a guy on the roster, perhaps, um, that you would say right now is not playing, you know, well. Uh, Jamal Crawford, who was just, you know, totally hot and cold for a while, and for a while they was just killing him in terms of net rating. Whenever he was on the court, they were getting killed. He just got through with that five five game homestand. He had sixteen assists and zero turnovers. Really? I mean, wow. just just that's just. You know, I mean, he's a 17-year veteran. His uh, assist-to-turnover ratio is a little less than two to one, and he's 16 and 0 on this homestand. Over the last month of January, you know, it's only eight games, but still, the Wolves are top five offense and top five defense. You know, and they are really, they are really putting it together. Yeah, Jamal. Uh, kind of when this uh, good run got started, he uh, in the, one of the tougher games they had. He all of a sudden got hot and won it in the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden they started using the bench more. And uh, now part of the reason he's using the bench more: a) they're playing better; b) they're healthier; and c) they've had some leads here too exactly. to you know play with. Yeah, so. I, I think that trust is an issue with Tibbs, Tom Thibodeau, and also. Um, I think that he really um, he needs to make sure a, a ball game is in the bag. If, if a yeah. team, 
you know, if if they're up 15 with six to play, he'll give it another two or three minutes, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, and some people uh, knock that, but uh, on a team that has this combination of, uh, you know, Towns and Wiggins really, this season is really all about uh, Jimmy Butler staying healthy and Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins learning how to play defense and committing to a team concept. And, I think if you if you judge it on that basis, um, it really has gone well. I mean, Butler missed two games and they got blown out in both of them. But um, Towns has just gotten better and better on defense. Wiggins started out pretty well on defense, slipped uh, along with his offense. His defense was terrible. He had the month of December was the worst uh, month of his four year career, and but he's starting around into shape again, and he's been all overall. A lot more paying attention to defense this season, and uh, I mean, I'd say the twenty-nine and sixteen. I I haven't checked. I I, I can't say this for sure, but uh, this is their twenty-ninth year in existence. I would bet they have not won twenty-nine games in half of those twenty-nine years. <laughs> I, I just saw a stat on that, uh, but I can't remember exactly what it was. And then there's Tyus, who uh, they got the point. They got the second point guard now. Oh. Well, I mean, Tyus leads the team in defensive rating. I mean, when he came into the NBA, you know, he was just really undersized. He looked kind of puny, and uh, he always had a pretty good nose for the ball, quick hands and stuff, but he could get bullied pretty easily. Um, He's really, I mean, he leads the the entire NBA in uh, steals per minute. Uh, He's second. uh, Last time I looked, he was second to Paul George, a pretty good uh, all-star player in, in deflections for a minute. And um, when he's on the court, the Timberwolves, you know, have uh, he has the seventh best net rating. I know these are kind of advanced stats, but he has the seventh best rating of uh, how he improves his team uh, when he's on the court of of anybody in the NBA. <laughs> and we've had the real, uh, the uh, rare trade where neither team is complaining. The uh, Timberwolves have Jimmy Butler, who's turned the whole operation around. And uh, the three, and now that Levine's back, the three young guys in Chicago, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Bulls are playing well. I saw some stat on Markin and the kid they drafted that his three point percentage number of threes made for games played is historic. So, uh, yeah, and no, to I, the I, point you, they're going to trade that Miritich, uh, apparently, so Mark Markkinen can get more playing time. And and uh, Chris Dunn of all people, you oh. know, who everybody around here, he was a Tibbs favorite last year, uh, and everybody thought, you know, they didn't like him because Tibbs wanted them to replace Rubio, it seemed, but uh, he couldn't hit the broadside of a, a barn, you know, with a shot, and uh, was a great defender, but you couldn't keep him on the court because he just couldn't shoot, and. Uh, this year, he's uh, really shooting well. He's a great clutch player. You know, obviously, it's easier when you've got a team that's rebuilding and, you know, there's not nearly as much pressure and they're playing pretty loose. But uh, you have to say that certainly Markkinen and Chris Dunn and, you know, Levine's only been back a few games, but uh, Wolves fans, you know, know he's never been a good defender, but, man, he's exciting to watch on offense and is a real talent. And if, like Towns, he figures it out on defense, he's going to be something, and that will be a very good trade for both teams because Jimmy Butler has changed the culture here. And uh, if if you're a, a, a Wolves fan, as much as you may have enjoyed Levine and and Dunn, even um, you wouldn't trade you wouldn't trade what Butler has done for this franchise. Hey, uh, Britt, thanks for your time, sir. My pleasure.
All right, Britt Robson covers the Timber, one of uh, the uh, fellows covering the Timberwolves for the Athletic. We shall return with Johnny Height. Sports updates, news updates, and traffic. And I got everything today. I got okay. it covered. All right. <laughs> can you run the board quick so I can go home yeah. then? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> this update is sponsored by Think About Your Eyes. Seeing is a gift that needs protecting with yearly eye exams. Uh, find a doctor near you at thinkaboutyoureyes.com and make an appointment today. Timberwolves coming off those five straight wins at the Target Center. They hit the road tonight there at Orlando to play the Magic. Do- Why don't you make the trip up and watch the boys, Pat? It's about three hours to get there from here right now. So, yeah. Then through the jungle or around the top, either way, you can't get there quick. Dodging gators. Well, it's not even that. Pat, when I drove from Orlando to Jacksonville on my psychotic mission to watch the worst playoff game ever in Jacksonville, I couldn't believe how many deer were right next to the freeway. Just hanging out. Except they're not like big honking. No, no, they're skinny guys. Size of jackrabbits. Yeah. Uh, Duke-bound guard Trey Jones of Apple Valley has been named a McDonald's All-American. Jones, one of 24 seniors, picked to play in the McDonald's All-Star Game March 28th in Atlanta. Uh, Jones, a 6'3 guard, headed for Duke, averaged a double-double, points and rebounds in the state tournament, and leading the Eagles to the Class 4A championship. He's the 13th Minnesota player to get that honor, joining brother Tyus, who plays for the Wolves, of course. Uh, Tyus played one year at Duke, and Reed Davis, then with the Sal, and now Stanford, both were named in 2014. First ever! First Jim ever, Pete. Jim Pete. Jim Pete. I, first ever uh, Minnesota McDonald's All American. Jim Pete. The first Minnesota senior. My next line says to receive the honor was Jim Peterson, <laughs> out of St. Louis Park in 1980. Of course, he went on to, as we all know, play professionally in the NBA and mm-hmm. become an announcer on the Timberwolves games. The Eagles will host the Vikings in the NFC Championship game at Lincoln Financial Field this Sunday. Uh, this morning, they released a limited number of seats to the game, but they were gone within one minute. Uh, they were uh, a few standing room only and some other seats that ranged anywhere from 150 to 279 bucks. Uh, they were gone immediately. If you mm. go to the secondary market now, by Tuesday morning, the average asking price of $979 made the game the most expensive NFL Conference Championship game that Ticket IQ has ever tracked, according to their PR director, Ralph Garcia. It's supposed to be 50 degrees or something, although with a 640 kickoff, it'll be uh, a little later. We'll have shirtless fellas in the stands, won't we? Oh, yeah. 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 What's going to be the average BAC of the Philadelphia Eagle fan at a 540 Not kickoff? as bad as the vet. They got, the crowd is not as low rent as the vet crowd was. Okay. It's low rent, but not like the vet crowd. <laughs> we <either>. are upscale. <laughs> I, human, human sacrifice at the vet, man. Well, the, the vet had a jail. Do we get a jail at the link? Uh, I don't think so. Mm. No, but they, they needed a jail at the vet, uh, I'll tell you. Is the vet where Santa Claus got booed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. G- I, I walked in there. snow at him, I think. <laughs> I walked in there for a 9-10 kickoff of a Monday night game when the Cowboys were there, the oh, first my God. game of the season. There were some references to the fact I might be a few pounds overweight and... Uh, <laughs> And and whether I like boys better than girls, <laughs> and you just keep walking. You, you do not. No, 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 no. Yes, I agree with you, sir. I yep. am fat, and who knows about my sexual preference? I might take that into consideration. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> uh, the Steelers have had three head coaches since 1969, and. Uh, 
Well, some of the folks on the board want to change that. Oh, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk says some partners with the Steelers ownership group are lobbying for majority owner Art Rooney to fire head coach Mike Tomlin. Uh, it should be noted, though, those partners have no real say in the day-to-day operations of the organization. Why? He's made the playoffs every year. Yeah, they, uh, they, they, some of the coaching decisions, are, they think they're smarter than him. Ah. Florio reported the limited partners who became involved nearly a decade ago as a member of the Rooney family sold their interest in the team, have no authority over management, but they have a pipeline to owner Art Rooney. Okay. So is that almost like owning Packers stock? Is that kind of the same thing? <laughs> yeah, except they paid a hell of a lot more for That's it. That's true. Yeah. Get a piece. Yeah, John, All you right. paid like 200 bucks for that piece of paper, uh, didn't, didn't you? I All right, Johnny, one. go tell somebody what the traffic is. I will do like. that right now. Okay. All right. Same way I felt two days ago, same way I felt 12 years ago. That is that. I'll be here as long as they'll have me. Success is dependent upon your willingness to work and the way that guys care about one another and the sense of urgency. While I think that we do have a talented team, I know that each year you have to go out and you have to prove it. Drew Brees there talking. He had a press conference and uh, two days ago today and uh, said that he's sticking with the Saints even though he's a free agent. Uh, I guess the exact quote was, I'll be here long as they will have me. Uh, I, uh, You know, he's kind of a feisty character, and I thought maybe he'd put a little more pressure on him. But then again, uh, I suppose he's not going to take the max, right? Because he'll want him to be able to uh, go and get some, some more help. But, yeah. Can you imagine how awful he feels in his stomach, though, and his guts? That you're 39 years old. He turned 39 on Monday, and you got this fantastic comeback. Now you can go to Philadelphia. You can go back to the Super Bowl, and you can have a shootout with Tom Brady, uh, and it's going to be great. And to have that, you know, I, he took it. I'm sure he was absolutely stunned after the game, but he took it uh, in a very classy fashion. I would have, I, I think, I would have had to check myself into the mental hospital for about two weeks. Well, when you heard a lot of the Viking players too comment, either you know right after the game or in you know media sessions the day after, everybody talks about what a great dude Drew Brees actually is and how respected that he is around the league. Yeah, well, it's uh, but but what I'm saying is you're in that division, oh. right? Yes, you yeah. may. You, this might. This. This. You, you know. You. You're probably not going to get back here at age 39. You might. You know, because they got a young roster and stuff. But Carolina, if Tampa Bay gets their act together, right? Yep. Because they got some talent. Good luck Atlanta, with Dirk Cutter as your head and coach. And Atlanta, <laughs> you know. You could turn around, and be seven and nine again next year, and be pretty good. Well, wow, that division and, every year is a miss, bloodbath miss between those chance. four. Yeah. Meanwhile, I have lost all respect for uh, New Orleans, and uh, it's not because of uh, uh, Sean Payton having a little fun with the fans, which turned out to be. If I was a Viking fan, I'd think this is the most fun thing of all time: the fact that he was turning around and taunting them before the last the play, chant. doing the skull chant, <laughs> and then the, then the worst play in history occurs. But as I say, he's an agitator. I like him. But once in a while when you agitate it, comes back and slaps you, you upside a little the bit head, of egg right? in your face. You yeah. get yes, you do, and uh, that's happened to me once or twice. Right. Or, <laughs> From the king of times. agitation. But you got to keep agitating. Yeah. And you uh, can't that's quit. Uh, but here's what disgusts me about uh New Orleans fans. Uh they're they're showing their support for Marcus Williams. 
Uh, there's a billboards down there. Uh, and uh, that's okay, Marcus. We love our saints. It's a big electronic billboard down there that you see when you go into a town. The restaurants have, you know, the restaurants with little boards out in front of them are saying, that's okay, Marcus. He made the worst play in the history of the NFL playoffs. Well, here, here's my question for you, this Pat. This isn't Blair Walsh missing a field goal when it's 25 below zero. Well, I was this just going to ask, does Marcus Williams now meet with, like, a kindergarten class or something? Yes, and right. They, yeah. And oh, they yeah. have a conversation with him and say, we still love you, and he's still a conquering hero for them. Yes. I mean, it's it's he still hasn't told us what the hell was going on. What was going through that head of his? What was he trying to do? He had one job. Stay <laughs> deep. Job. Don't let anybody yeah. get behind you. And then, uh, you know, while Diggs is sitting there as a – stationary target bring him to the ground in some manner in bounds and the game's over oh right? if he gets tackled in bounds it's over yeah period and then and then the saints fans are tweeting out pictures of sean payton uh before the play doing that but uh it's uh it is funny how that wave uh i was there when uh, greg norman blew the uh lead to uh uh nick faldo mm-hmm. you know the he was going to win his first masters he ended up I think he was six, either five ahead and lost by six, or six ahead and lost by five. Greatest collapse of all time on the golf course. Probably the most famous choke in history. How, in how many golf. how many holes were left when he had the the five the five stroke lead? Oh, he teed off. Uh, oh, okay, he, that day okay, with that a five five or six stroke okay, lead. Gotcha. He shot uh, he shot seventy eight and Faldo shot sixty seven. Well, what what was the is that the same? What was the deal with Greg Norman that he he like had like a four stroke lead or something with like three holes to go and he blew it? Oh, he's done a few of those, but <laughs> this is the. I mean, that was that was part of his reputation, and of course, the whole story that Sunday morning was. Okay, this is, you know, he's going to put all the demons behind him. And then he went out there. And he was fine until he got to the ninth uh, hole. And he uh, he uh, backed he, he had a, he backed the ball down a hill. Faldo picked two strokes up. All of a sudden, he was only one or two ahead. And, and then it was just a train wreck. But he came in right away and did a press conference, right? He came in and, and took the heat. And all my buddies were saying, oh, he's great. And they all wrote these columns. Right? He stood up like a man. Yeah, but he still choked. <laughs> he still choked. <laughs> he still choked. <laughs> that did not change the fact that this was the greatest choke in the history of golf. And the fact that Marcus Williams, well, he incoherently answered some questions after the game, not incoherently, but without any insight, answered the questions after the game uh, and and was crying after the game and all those things. It still doesn't get him off the hook. No, like you still Blair, failed, right. Yes, and it's like, and he's paid as a professional athlete not to fail, right? And, I, you know, the one thing, too, I don't, forgive me if you guys mentioned this yesterday, but the Saints before this game, there was a lot of talk about how they, they're more of a gambling defense. They play this zero cover without a lot of help deep. And you would think on the one play where you cannot allow that to happen would be 10 seconds to go oh. w- You know, w- with your opponent on oh. their own 30-yard line. Well, I also give them my defensive uh, coordinate. Now, the one thing is they're not guarding against a touchdown there, right? They're guarding against the sideline. Mm-hmm. They're letting them make 30 yards. 
They're guarding against letting him make 30 yards, run out of bounds, and kick a field goal. Because right? Jarius Wright was wide open, but he was in the middle of the field. Yes. You know, yep. and if he catches that ball, the game's over. Well, because he Marcus can't. Williams is well, right. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, anyway, it's uh, the New Orleans. And uh, Breeze is uh, obviously going to come back there, but 39 years old, I can just, I can't imagine what uh, what he's going through. Oof. It's, uh, well, it's, remember, it's just amazing. Well, remember the uh, the Saints a couple of years ago. I think they went into Seattle in the second round, and they were trying to they were trying to do like a hail mary at the end of the game. And I think like Marcus Colston caught the ball at like the thirty yard line, and then like he tried to th- he threw like a forward lateral or something like that when all he had to do was like turn around and go out of bounds but instead he like tried to lateral it and it ended up going forward and it I can't remember up, that one but that you was do. like 2013 or something yeah okay the one I, I remember is when they went up uh when they went up there at seven and nine and beat them right Seattle well, they, Seattle no, was no, seven Seattle and nine, beat them. and they were the Seattle division was winner. And nine. Marshawn Orleans Lynch was like yeah. Marshawn Lynch yeah. had the long run, yeah. And and New Orleans had to go up there, right? Yeah, because they yeah. were eleven and five. Was but, that the game? But San Francisco won about, the man? division that year. No, this was this was a, this was only like a couple of years ago. The one I'm talking yeah. about, the one okay. you're thinking about, was like way back in like twenty. That yeah. was before yeah. Seattle turned into this superpower. Yeah, New Orleans yeah. was uh, good, and uh, Seattle was uh, that showed how stupid. It was a year after the Saints won the Super Bowl. Okay, that was yeah. Well, uh, the uh, the the Eagles have lost uh, a numerous NFC title games on their home uh, field, and I would expect that either the Saints or the Vikings was going to defeat them uh, this week. So uh, they they lost three in a row there, right? Uh, before they finally went to a Super Bowl, Andy Reid lost three in a yeah, row. Yeah, and they would, won. Is it because they lost would, to Arizona in Arizona? They Panthers. lost to the Panthers. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember. They lost. But they lost three in the uh, in this. In yep. the, didn't they lose three at home? I thought Something they lost like that. three at home. I think yeah. you're right. All right, uh, you know Marcus Williams. I still want an explanation. That was uh, that was unbelievable. But Drew Brees, uh, I think people have a higher regard for him right now than they've ever had because they realize that he's, you know, the Manning and the Brady are the two greatest quarterbacks of all time. This guy's in the top five. Uh, that for sure, I think. All right, we'll be back uh, with uh, this day in history. All right, on this day in history, 1942, Carol Lombard, who was uh, married at the time to Clark Gable, uh, they were the glamour couple of Hollywood. Carol Lombard was out selling war bonds. We had just entered the war, of course, on uh, 1942. She was out selling war bonds. She got. Uh, she was in Las Vegas, and uh, decided to take a flight back home in January 1942. And uh, the uh, plane crashed on takeoff, leaving uh, Las Vegas. And Carol Lombard died uh, that day. She was only 33 years old and probably the most famous actress in America at the time. Married to Gable. Gable was distraught and ended up. Even though he got married twice again, he ended up getting mar- shit, buried with Carol. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.